Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Stoke the Fire. As always, we're your hosts, Matt Stocks and Jesse Leach. Um, Jesse, you may have noticed a different background going on today. I do notice it. It's the first time on this podcast you have a different background. I'm in. Well, it's actually the second. I did. Oh, do, I did. Uh, we spoke to your dad when I was house sitting for my friend Frank. Oh, Turner, that's right. That's and right. I was in his study then. But today I'm in my friend Aid's house in Mosley. I'm in the process of moving from Birmingham to Bristol. So this week is kind of my last week in Birmingham. Uh, so I currently don't have a home. So I'm staying right here. This is my bedroom that we're in now. I'm on the bed. <laughs> yes, I love it. Vagabond style. <laughs> Full on gypsy life. Um, here's something I want to mention and, and touch upon briefly before we bring on our amazing guest this week. If I sound different as well to anybody listening, it's because I've got my, my travel set up. So apologies if the mic sounds slightly different to usual. I was thinking, man, like we record these every week and a week's not a long time at all. We touch base, you know, very regularly. We're always circling back around. Maybe you can share your thoughts on this. It feels to me like in between each chat that we have, so much in life happens and so much changes. And I almost feel like a different person practically every time we sit down and talk. It just feels like in the five to six days in between our chats, like, there's just a whirlwind of stuff going on. Are you picking up on that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And yesterday I had one of those awake, reawakening days. You know, I just needed, I've been kind of in a funk. But yeah, I agree completely. I think, I don't know, it's weird just how life is right now. I think for both of us, a lot of changes mentally, physically. Uh, oh, there's a phrase, dude. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's so annoying. I don't get it. Here we go. Freeze. I got you. You're back in the room. Okay. Yeah, no, a lot has happened for sure. But I think that, you know, life is just a journey. That's It's a beautiful thing. It's better than being stagnant, you know, and staying in the same place. So, yeah, I love it. I right, Let's keep moving, man. How about yourself? I feel like everybody listening is probably, you know, in the same boat as well, because it just is a crazy time for the world, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And everybody in it at the moment. And sometimes growth and change is difficult and it's hard, but it's constant and it's necessary. And I, I'm learning more that if you lean into it and embrace it, then good things come out of it. Yeah. And I think to me, that's a perfect segue into, into our guest because looking him up and listening to his catalog of music from the beginning to where he's at now to his story that he's spent many stories. I feel like he's lived a few lifetimes. Uh, the one thing I really gathered and sort of the takeaway from his life and his work is through his pain, through his struggles, he's, oh, he's just has a, a spirit of optimism that just 
is runs throughout all of the things he does even sonically his music when the lyrics are sort of sad or or you know despondent sounding the music is still uplifting as a very unique style of of uh music and a very unique human being uh, i've really enjoyed researching him and watching some of the interviews that you've done actually in the past and for anyone who's listening i think a perfect prequel to this would be to go back and listen to the interview you did with him on life in the stocks because uh, i think it's a brilliant interview really well spoken it's a really good vibe you feel like you're in the room hanging out with you guys so yeah i'm excited to to get into this yeah we actually recorded that chat in his in his van when he was on tour and the rest of his band were in the van in the front seats like right there uh, it was a beautiful chat. It was an early one. It was one which, like your episode, set the tone very early on for, for my podcast, Life in the Stocks. We got super deep. I'm sure we're going to get even more deep today like we do here on Stoke the Fire. So without further ado, uh, please welcome onto the show, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, uh, and I'm sure Jesse's soon-to-be new friend, Ryan Hamilton. Ryan, come on down. Did I do it right? Am I You're on? In. You're in. <laughs> What's up, guys? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas. So um, I'm amazed the internet's working at all. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have a few more breakdowns before the end of the show, but we'll keep soldiering <laughs> on regardless, like we always do. Um, I'm really pleased to get you two together because both of you, for me, have always been really kind of vocal and outspoken advocates of mental health. You both deal with it very directly um, in your art and also in your you know, social media presence. Um, it's something that I think you, you really share a kindred spirit there. Uh, you both recently went through a fairly seismic life change in the form of a divorce as well. So there's there's some common ground there, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But Ryan, you mentioned Texas there, and that's where I'd like to begin, if that's cool with you, because I was just out there. I had a super amazing time, and I would love for you as somebody who's a born and raised Texas boy to give a little bit of background as to your childhood and growing up in that part of the world and how it shaped your worldview, because I do really feel like Texas gets a bit of a bad rep. Um, and, and, you know, it can be kind of like disparagingly referred to as this Trump state. And I had nothing but a beautiful time there. Everybody was warm and generous. Jesse and I have spoken about his experiences there. He had the same thing to say. So as a local, as a native to that part of the world, what does that region and state mean to you what are the characters of it and how did it shape you as a young man growing up there yeah uh good question and people a lot of people when they think of texas they think of it a certain way and i'm glad both you guys have spent some time here so you know better but um there's a movie called friday night lights that came out i don't know 20 years ago probably now it was also a tv show that's very much how i grew up when i saw that movie i was just like god they nailed my childhood really my high school experience but it's all about small town texas football high school football these guys and you know in high school who are the quarterback of the stars of the team are like celebrities in those little towns so you have this very hardcore intense community thing that happens when you're from texas and everybody it, it feels like one big family in a way um politically I mean, Matt will tell you, I'm sure Jesse, you know this too. It's very different where I'm from just outside of Fort Worth and then Austin. Austin is its own animal that I love. I love Austin. But um, the thing with Texas is there's a sense of pride that a lot of places in the world have. There's this special kind of Texas pride thing where you're proud to be from here. You're proud to 
you know, have that thing that we all grow up with, especially in the smaller towns. Um, but it definitely shapes you in the way where most of us go to church two or three times a week whenever you grow up here in conservative churches, um, Church of Christ, where I went, or Baptist or Methodist, things like that. Um, you have that in combination with everybody drinking a lot and going to football games and they love rock and roll here and country of course you know you don't even really think about what country music does to you when you're from here because you're around it all the time so i don't think i ever bought a country record maybe a couple when i was little but i know all those songs because they're everywhere all the time so it's um it's a really cool combination of everybody having a good time, everybody loving each other. And then, you know, getting drunk and getting in a fist fight on a Saturday night and getting up and going to, yeah. And then getting up and going to church together on Sunday. That's, that's kind of what it's like. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And they say everything's bigger in Texas, right? I I love that (laughs) phrase. It's so funny because I almost feel like Texas can be its own country, really. I mean, you could take that and separate it from the United States. It could stand on its own uh, because of the the pride of the place. And as far as music fans go, just for metal, I mean, I can't really speak for any type of music, but for metal, they go crazy in Texas. We always have Mm. great shows there. Yeah, there's as far as, you know, rock and roll all the way up and down the line, you know, pop rock up to more like what, you know, the world you run around in. They love it here. They do. They get really excited. Um, And I went to a couple of those shows when I was a teenager and they're fun. How important are Pantera to Texas? Did they they put metal on the map in that state? Yeah, um, Pantera and Drowning Pool probably were the two that i mean that whole thing that was huge here um and i was lucky enough to be a teenager when all that was really going nuts and get to experience some of that but um yeah pantera is probably the one right like that's got to be and um it's so sad what happened but um yeah it's going to be hard to find a better example of you know a, a big or important influence from texas in that scene i would have to go with zz top overall just period because that band Mm. just kicked off so many other bands i don't think some metal bands would even exist without zz top Mm. and i know love the documentary the little band from texas like zz Mm. top all the way man what an incredible band and, you know, for anyone listening, if you haven't gone back and listened to their early, sh- I mean, they were huge in the 80s with their hits, but the early stuff, man, Tres Amigos, what? It's incredible. Yeah. So that that would be, when I think of Texas, I think it's easy top, man. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good point. And a lot of people won't connect. They won't go. Okay. So they started talking about Pantera and they landed on ZZ Top. How does that happen? But it makes total sense. It makes absolute sense. That's a really good example. Well, so and it's easy top very quickly. You've shaved your beard off, Ryan. Last time I oh saw God. you, you had, had a big beard. It's gone. You know, it was an accident. I had a little disagreement with my beard trimmers, <laughs> so it happens, and it's fine. I have I'll have a a face vacation. It'll be no big deal. But yeah, I look I look like a child. You now you look dap. Job. You look dapper. You look good, man. <laughs> Thank you. That's nice. What are you, you going to say, Jesse? 
Oh, no. Um, I was just going to say, um, what was I going to say? You know, I don't know, but I do know where I'm going. Um, mm. Your recent single, you, you had a lyric that just sort of struck me. And it really sort of summed up, if I could be so bold, almost your entire career. And the lyric is, I've got a big heart covered in big scars. And mm. I, as soon as I heard that lyric, I was like, that's totally me. That's mm. my life. And the stuff that you've been through to where you are now. And like I said, at the top of the show, your optimism in life seems to continue to ring true. And I can relate to that so much. I can relate to what you've been through and, and how you put it through your music and how even sonically there's optimism in the chords that you choose. Mm. Even when you're writing about sad things, very unique. And it was a, a total pleasure to like kind of dive into your catalog. But I guess for me, what I really want to get out of this selfishly is your journey and, and having to deal with heartache and some crazy shit. I mean, the fact that you wrote a record with a partner about your breakup, it, it just publicly out there for the world to hear. And it became a record and became this thing. Like, I'm just astounded by that, number one. And then going full circle to what you've recently been through. Where do you even start with that? I just, I'm so impressed and I'm, I feel such a solidarity with you mm. because of what you've been through. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. I don't um, even know what the question is, but man, I just, that to me just hits me right in the face. Like, wow, that's incredible. I think, Ryan, you should definitely, if you don't mind doing so, um, contextualize that whole smile, smile saga of your life, which is so insane um, and had to be so character forming. Um, and, and with the benefit of like time, hopefully hilarious in hindsight. Too. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, um, I'll start by saying this. They were going to make a movie about it. People said it's been saying forever. You should make a movie. They finally started it right before COVID. Oh, wow. And it, then it got shut down. So story of my life, really. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> it'll come back around. It'll come back around. That story's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, really long story short, ish. Um, I was in a band a long time ago, almost twenty years ago now, which is crazy. Um, I met this girl in Dallas. We were both in other bands. We fell in love. We were like, let's do some songs together. It was kind of sweet. Um, we got engaged and became very popular in Texas. They started playing us on a radio station that no longer exists, but that was very influential, influential called The Edge in Dallas. And um, there's a show called The Adventure Club, which if you got on The Adventure Club when radio was what radio used to be, that was everyone paid attention. I would equate it to K-Rock or something like that. You get on this particular show in Dallas and uh, the DJ there named Josh Venable, he played us when he started playing us, he would play us every week on that show and it just went nuts and uh we quit our other bands we got signed really fast which was weird we actually got courted flown around the whole thing it's like oh shit it's like this is gonna happen and it's gonna happen with the girl that i love which was cool um but she during the course of all the insanity and becoming popular and um we still weren't able to like do it full time. We still had our regular jobs. We were barely hanging on to our regular jobs, but um, we had this kind of normal life where we lived together. And then we would go on tour and do this crazy thing. So it was wild trying to do all of it and be okay. 
well um she cheated on me it's very it's, i'm not people when i say that and people don't know they're like oh is he allowed to say that out loud it's like yes it's like it's public knowledge it's not a big deal that i'm saying it now it's a long time ago but um when that happened it was big news she did it very publicly with a guy in another band and um it was in the paper it was like so stupid the way it went down and for me it was well that's it the band's over my dream's done um i was very obviously hurt because i thought i was going to marry her and um i started writing these songs well it's just going to be one song really started writing these songs to show her like look what you did to me you really hurt me these really pointed songs and i would, she wasn't talking to me so i'd email I emailed her one song i don't even remember which one it was but um i kept i was waiting on her response and what her response was is what makes this whole thing go so crazy is instead of being mad and going fuck you she recorded a piano part and sang a harmony and sent it back and i was just like well i didn't get you with that one i'll get you with another one and this went on for a few songs and um those songs ended up getting back to our record label and they went hey if you guys could stay together we actually think this could be really successful like people would love this like her name's jency like jency can you sing the i know these songs are about how you cheated on him but can you play piano and sing harmony and go back on tour like it's are we okay to do this and they dangle all of that like this could be really great we're, you can you'll be naked in the music video which we were you'll be naked on the cover of the album they're like and i'm like you know losing my mind i had a total breakdown i shaved my head i was like i'm gonna kill myself it was all very like no but um the flip side of all of that is your dreams are going to come true we're going to send you on tour you're going to make more money and be more successful than ever if you can do this and i said yes i mean like i told matt a long time ago it's just as much on me as it is anybody else because i agreed it's like mm -hmm. yes i'll do it yeah you so, allowed you allowed that pain to sort of linger in your yeah. life and you know i met you talking about um having him on tour and sleeping yeah. in the bunk near you i was just like flabbergasted by that but there's really an analogy i think for your music and for what you've been through with allowing that to happen and then being able to withstand that at least for a little while before it imploded but that's incredible i don't think i've ever heard of that <laughs> and for something for something and those songs are good like and it's odd too because they're they're upbeat like as sad mm. as they are there's still like an upbeatness to them and to me that just there's such an analogy of of like your music and what you've been through in that story i, I just to me i've never heard anything like that in my life i was blown away by that <laughs> well i didn't realize because i was in the middle of it how much it was affecting me and you know how much i was going to talk about it in therapy after but you know it was just like i was just trying to keep up and it was really fucking me up and um of course that band had an expiration date um but i mean we did our best for as long as we could i stayed in there as long as i could 
we actually put out how one more shows record. man like playing those songs live how was that we wouldn't even make it through some and that would be the thing that in in the end some people would come to see if we would even make it through i mean there is a show in roswell new mexico where jency very calmly we're in the middle of the show she she had a fender Rhodes piano my music nerd friends will appreciate what those look like and they're a lot to deal with so she very calmly unplugged the cable to her Fender Rhodes, wrapped the cable up. I'm still playing the song. And then she threw the cable at me like a Frisbee. So this thing comes flying at me and I like dodge it and finish the song. She walks off stage and that's just what it was like. And then we got in the van and went to the next one. Wow. It reminds me of like the, the Gallagher, Nolan uh, um, from the Gallagher. Oh, uh, Liam. <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, I went to go see this band um, that I love, the Brian Jonestown Massacre, and love them. It's one of those things too, where you just don't know like what's going to happen, and people kind of go for the entertainment value as well. Mm. But I think that speaks volumes to like wanting success. Number mm. one, and number two, the record industry sort of enabling toxic behavior like mm. they always do because they know it's going to make money for them somehow. Mm. And you being young and like having that ambition, you're like, let's just do it, ride or die. And yeah. I think that's that speaks volumes for your ambition, but it also speaks volumes for the the toxicity of the record industry to be able to like do that to a couple. It's just nuts. Dude, it's brutal. And what we found out when um, we started going through the legalities of them making a documentary about it is, and I didn't know this until the lawyer told me when they started making the film, is that that album, those songs that I was emailing her, those same songs that were straight out of my everything, um, I will never get them back. They own the master recordings in perpetuity forever. There's no sunset clause. There's no anything like that. My music friends will appreciate the term sunset clause, which is the most bullshit thing ever. But um, I can't record those songs i can't put out a live record with those songs i can't be associated with those songs in any way the most personal thing really i've i kind of got conned into doing but i agreed to i'll never get them back they own them forever if there's a soundtrack with a smile smile documentary i have to find other people to essentially cover the songs i can't wow play them. and if we want to keep if we want the actual songs in the documentary i have to pay my record label to use my songs how the hell that's just the next level dude that's yeah. next level and with like battles, dude you've had so, so many battles to get to where you are man yeah it's been it, rough but you still have a, you maintain a, a fairly positive aura it's impressive well thank you i think that probably comes from what we talked about before my childhood and that juxtaposition of uh fist fight saturday church on sunday it's just like is it that whole don't fuck with texas thing you just keep going no matter what <laughs> yeah part of me wants to win yeah for I sure i'm just like okay music industry fuck you i'll do this by myself watch i'm gonna win i'm gonna beat all the people that tried to blackball me and smile smile and then all the people that tried to blackball me and fuck me up in the next project. I'm just like, all I'm going to show all of you that I have what it takes. I don't need a gimmick. I don't need whatever. And um, th that 
is probably what drives me. And it's not revenge. It's not anything negative. It's a positive kind of like, like, I got this. You think I don't have what it takes and I can't do this on my own and I need you or whatever, you know, you can fuck off because I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm that way, but I just am. I'm like, I'm going to show everybody. And um, <laughs> I mean, after your first experience in the record business being smile, smile and that traveling circus soap opera that, you know, was deemed a failure because we only generated you know, several hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was like, you didn't, you really didn't make us that 10 to 20 hundred million we were hoping for. You only sold however many thousands of copies. It wasn't the millions. So you, you're a failure and good luck out there. Yeah. It's, I hate that about the record industry and it makes you question yourself and you mm. have to hold on to your artistic integrity and sort of like you you have to be your own champion really i think at the end of the day whether you're working with a band or as a soul especially as a solo artist i can't mm. even imagine that i've never i man i'm just not we keep losing you, Jesse. It's Jesse, oh, no. we lost you. We lost you just for a second there, and that was probably something amazing that you just said. Or we missed. Why is am I am I back in the internet? What is going on? You're not is paying your my... bills. Is that what it? Is? Yeah, no. It, it you know we recently had storms up here in the Catskills, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it it's a calm, beautiful day right now. That's, that sucks. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer. Um, basically the music business is really difficult <laughs> yeah i i got screwed out of a, a deal when i was younger too and it sort of soured me and you know i was saying basically you got to be your own sort of uh hmm. cheerleader and that that's just sheer determination that's what keeps me going too you know i've been in difficult situations where people that surrounded me you know, I wanted more out of them. I wanted them to encourage me more. But at the end of the day, it's just you against yourself. And pe people, you measure yourself with success. And I think that's such a slippery slope, you know, mm -hmm. because you didn't see the millions that they wanted. They didn't see a success. Mm -hmm. And it does affect you in one way or another when people are surrounding you and they wanted you to do more and you didn't do it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you've got to be on your own team and, and push yourself. And I see that you've done that and through a plethora of projects. And anyone who doesn't yeah. know your catalog to go back and to see what you've done over the years, it's incredible, man. Like, oh, thank you. That's diverse, nice. really good songwriting and unique. You definitely have a unique sound. I, I can't put my finger on it. It was like, uh, I was like, I heard some Wilco in there. I heard, uh, mm. oh, I had a whole thing in my head when I was listening to you earlier. I was in the grocery store and I had headphones on. Um, it'll come back to me, but just, the diversity you have is is awesome and anyone who doesn't know your music i urge you to go and just start from smile smile and go all the way up through your catalog thank you thank and i you. love what you're doing now with your solo stuff too it's just thank really you. yeah it's really cool stuff and your lyrics are clever it's great and you've Thanks. taken your pain man and you've made it into art and to me that's just that's what it's all about right there thanks man it's important i think if you're gonna do this you kind of have a choice in a way if you want to be a pop star and you want to have a song that's going to be a hit then go try and write a hit if you are and then the other side of that is if you want to be a songwriter and you really want to hone that craft i think you learn that to tell your own truth 
in a song, people feel that and they they hear that, they relate to that. And some people, you know, they'd rather listen to something fun and poppy. And we all have those times and those moods where you just want to have a good time and not think too hard or not whatever. But um, I think as a songwriter for me, it's important to be honest because I want people to believe me. I don't know why that feels important as a songwriter or, I mean, maybe Jesse, you feel that too, but you know, there's, when you're an artist, you want people to believe you. Mm. And it's like, Oh, he, he or they, they mean that like that. And I get it that, and that's become very important to me probably since I started writing songs. I guess it's just a byproduct of being an artist, you know, and what kind of an artist you are. Cause there are musicians who can just write songs and they, they just count their money and they're like, Oh yeah. And they're stoked. And then yeah. there's people who really have a need, a need mm. to, to get a message across. And, you know, the fact that, and I'd love to get into this too, the fact that you went through a divorce and you put out a little documentary on your YouTube channel, mm. sort of just walking through your pain and showing people how you dealt with that and how you coped with it. And you did it with music, but you also did it just as a person in front of a camera and doing a dialogue. It was very vulnerable. And uh, I can relate to that because I feel like I did that myself when I went through my divorce. It was my only way to really come to terms with it all. And I think it speaks volumes about your music too. You know, you, you live it. it there's, it's not fake. It comes across yeah. very, very genuine. And Good. I think that's, that's the charming part about, and you were saying how, you know, writing a, a pop song and having a hit, like I would much rather be in again oh jesse 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 I, it was i would much rather be I'd much rather be ah a musician <laughs> that has to struggle and is in a sort of a lesser mm. position with my heart on my sleeve than have the money and and sort of like try to write a song that's gonna be a hit yeah. you know and that being said to piggyback on top of all of that you still have hooks. You still have a poppy element. You have the, I hear beach boys and some of your mm. stuff. Well, like it, you're able to put across your message, but still have it be sort of like hooky and poppy at the same time. It's brilliant. Well, thank you. It's, you know, I'm doing okay, but, and I'm proud of everything I've done and I haven't like, I'm happy with my life. I don't want anybody to think I'm anything less than thankful, but, um, there is a level of wanting to have a successful song on the radio, of course, so that plays into it. And, you know, I love Tom Petty and I have those heroes, Bob Dylan, whoever, and, you know, they've had big commercial success and they're, you know, some of the best songwriters of all time. So there's that combination. And I admire those people. Um, and I'm thankful to be able to pay my bills. It would be nice to sit down and go, I'm going to write a hit. Like, I'm just going to do it, whatever it is. It's going to be, most surface level whatever and everybody's gonna love it and sometimes i wish i was more like that but that kind of that kind of fades i appreciate you saying that that means more to me than you know more money in the bank just for somebody to you know, go hey this guy's a good songwriter i believe what he's saying and it's nice to listen to so mm -hmm. thank you very much i appreciate that well, yeah. speaking of good songs and Tom Petty, why don't you share the Tom Petty story that you told me, Ryan? Okay. Yeah. So Tom and I'll Petty. I'll name drop for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Petty. Uh, there have 
Tom Petty is somebody I've always loved. Um, and to get compared to him when I started playing music was just an accident. I never tried to sound like him or the Heartbreakers, but they're a big influence in what I do. So I can't help it. And I'm from the South and I have a whiny voice because I'm from the South. This is how some of us sound here. But um, yeah. Tom Petty was, there's a friend of a friend who has a car service. I'm trying to get this right. I've told this story a little bit. So um, a friend of a friend has a car service and Tom Petty would hire this car service whenever they would go play somewhere and maybe they would have a day off. And he liked cool old cars and this guy would drive him around and go to whatever, you know, Tom wanted to do that day. So, <clears throat> excuse me. This guy gets hired to drive Tom around. He's got a cool old car, but he also has a kid who's in school and he asks his son, hey, I'm going to drive Tom Petty around today. Do you want to come with us? Like, what do you think? Cool old, I think it was a Cadillac or something with bench seats. So it went all the way across the front. You know what I mean? Cool old car. The kid says yes. They go. This guy and his son are in the front seat. They pick Tom Petty up. Starts to get, uh, the kid starts to get out. I love this part of the story and I forget to tell it sometimes. And Tom Petty says, no, 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 no. I'll sit in the back. So he sits in the back of this old school Cadillac and puts his arms on the front seat like a kid. And I just think that's so cool. That visual of Tom Petty in the back, like, hey, guys, where are we going? Um, so they're talking and, you know, going about their day. And uh, the kid had his phone or iPod or whatever, and they're listening to music and they're talking and talking and talking. And finally, Tom Petty, as they're running errands this day, stops the conversation says hold on a second who is this as far as the music in the car and it was me and um he was like this is really good who's this guy and he wanted to know about me and you know what the deal was and i didn't find that out until the day that he died so there was apparently this this guy was like, I keep meaning to tell you and, you know, they may get in touch or we don't really know, but, you know, he's interested and he heard you and he likes you. And the guy was all apologies whenever he got in touch with me. He's like, I really, I wanted to tell you this. I'm sorry to tell you now, but, you know, but you know, like now you know he liked at least one of your songs and, oh, I feel like I'm getting a little bit emotional now, but that story, it wrecked just my whole world that it was on the day he died, which nobody was really expecting. And, um, but I'll, I'll carry that with me forever. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so this is something I'd like to talk to you both about, um, which you kind of touched on a moment ago, Jesse, for me, the pair of you more so than anyone I know, expose yourselves with such levels of vulnerability that I think is so rare in the entertainment industry. I think you both just wear your heart on your sleeve, um, particularly with your use of social media. And you'll say like, this is where I'm at. This is where I've been through. Um, Jesse, you mentioned the documentary Ryan made through his divorce. I wonder if the pair of you could jam a little bit of some of your thoughts on the importance for, for both of you of doing that, what you've gotten out of doing it uh, and what you see perhaps that it, that it maybe does um, to help others. Because you are both the most vulnerable dudes I know, I think, in a world where a lot of people keep a lot of their cards close to their chest and you know, perhaps afraid to, to be real to such an extent. Yeah, I think well, from, 
Go ahead. No, you no. go. No, I'm not. Well, gonna I- <laughs> Jesse, you can give yourself some of your Wi-Fi time to charge up. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to go. I was I, all I was going to say is, first of all, you have to have very thick skin because it's a double-edged sword. You put yourself out there in a way where you're putting it all out there. You better be ready for the good and the bad. And if you can't handle it, the, the disadvantage of putting it all out there is that people then have that information. They have it all to twist it and to use it against you and to call you whatever they want to call you. Um, so. I'm sure Jesse would agree that while it feels good to share and have that support and make somebody else feel better, you, you should really, if, you know, if somebody else is watching this or they hear this and they go, I'm going to be that way. Just prepare yourself. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You're going to piss some people off, but um, I would say it's worth it. Just so far beyond worth it for me and for anybody who can relate. And, um, I'm proud to be that way. I come from the school of my friend, Amanda Palmer, and she's been amazing for me on, on that level and showing me like, it's okay to be a certain way. And um, Jesse, I'd love your thoughts as far as like, do you, do you have that moment of pause where you're like, okay, I'm going to say this shit and that some people are going to let me have it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Or do you just do it and you don't really think about it? Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. I feel like I was a lot more willing to sort of share, almost to the point of oversharing years ago. Same. And the worst. Gonna have to get a rewind, Jesse. Sorry, dude. Oh, man. There you go. You're okay now. It's okay. We we, we can save these quick. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a mixed bag as far as sharing on social media. And I think, you know, many years ago I, I would overshare and then going through the divorce and also just having two managers that are amazing. They're like, you know, my good friends as well as sort of like almost father figures in a way. Um, and they've helped me to sort of dial it back and be cautious about it. Cause I do think it's important to share, but there are certain things you should probably just keep to yourself. So I've gotten a little more selective with it. And I think for me, I try to keep it more general as far as like talking about depression, talking about mm. anxiety, going through these things, but not giving away too, too much. Mm. You know, even in the documentary you made, you didn't go into detail about what happened with your divorce. You just talk about, I'm going through it. This is how I'm coping. And that's kind of where I've been at with, with how I deal with my depression and stuff. For example, yesterday, or, you know, when this podcast airs, it'll be about a week or so ago, but. I had a moment out in the woods and I just needed to reconnect with myself and breathe and Mm kind of coming out of a funk and trying to find inspiration again. And I had that moment then, but then I just felt this need. And I think this is to answer your question, man. I don't even feel like I have a choice. I can't not share. I can't do it because I feel like if I'm withholding some of this information, I'm not sharing this gift, this thing that I have that I know helps people. Yeah. And, and I would feel like I wouldn't be doing my job by not sharing because I know people tell me all the time that they can relate to my lyrics or me being an advocate for mental health. But on the flip side of it, selfishly, it helps me. Mm. When I share and I sort of talk about what I'm going through, as I'm talking it into a recorder or on a video, I'm doing self-realization. So it's kind of a mixed bag of like, 
I feel the need to do it, but I also just am and I'm pretty sorry, dude. I also just what? that's where that's where we lost. Oh you. come on, this keeps happening. <laughs> my, oh, I feel so, I, dude. What is going on? I gotta call my internet company. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just feel a deep need to do it regardless. I think it's good therapy and it's also just something that um, I think is a part of what I have to do in this planet. And I, it's, I don't say that out of ego. I say it strictly out of like the realization of the gift of being vulnerable when hmm. what that can do for people. Yeah. Well, you know, there will be, there will absolutely be people that watch this and I've been honest and open my entire career you know but there will be people that watch this and go he's full of shit you know what i mean that guy don't believe anything he says and it's so funny to me that you're always going to have those people no matter what and that's the big lesson i've had to learn is that it is for me also it is for i'm gonna be this way i've proven it as you have to i'm gonna keep being that way and this way even if i've learned to edit a little bit as you have which is important i think that's just a sign of growth um, that you're still just for whatever reason, there are these people that go, you know, oh God, shut up or you're full of shit or whatever it is. And that to me has been the only thing. It hasn't even really been a struggle. I think it's just been a surprise to have to navigate that where you just like lay yourself out there and they can't wait to shit all over it. And, um, it's just, it feels like, it feels like a fight that's worth it. It's like, you know, because you're fighting with yourself in a way. Um, but it's like, I don't know. Every time I share, it feels like the good guy is kind of doing what the good thing is. Like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're opening and you're being honest in a world where every, you can't say anything without being canceled. Or, you know, people are in so much trouble in today's world with saying things and them getting twisted. But people are um, just so disingenuous on social media as well, aren't they? Ninety percent of people who present a version of themselves online aren't presenting an authentic version. It's often mm. exaggerated or just completely insincere. And I do yeah. think being real and being open, especially online in today's world, is is rare that you might have two people that go, this guy's full of shit, I wish he'd shut up. But for every yeah. two that think that, there's two that think he's really changed my thoughts on this and inspired yeah. me to be more open in my life. So it totally balances it out. And it is a good fight and it is worth fighting, I think. Agreed. It's like, uh, to me, it's the analogy of playing a, a sold out show somewhere and there's one person on the, in the front on their phone. And you're just like, in your mind, you're like, I'm not going to look at the one person on their phone. <laughs> Jesse knows exactly what I'm talking about. Matt, you probably do too. Yeah. You just can't. It's this conversation with yourself where you're trying to focus on the people, but you can see it. And it's fucking right there. The person, it's like, whatever. Their friend brought them. They don't know anything. They don't know the song. And you can't. You just can't with the one person. Yeah, I think I think it has a lot to do with that person, though. Like the person who's complaining or, or oh. like <laughs> saying that you're vulnerable it's because of their own shit it has nothing to do with oh, it. Oh yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where the angle I've chosen to take is like when people sling insults at me or call me a pussy or whatever, 
Yeah. I'm like, that's not me. That's you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Ryan, when you did break up with your ex-wife, you basically got in your van and you drove across America. Mm. I would love to hear, you know, your account of that journey, you know, both from like an emotional standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, just a geographical, like the shit you saw, the stuff that you learned, because, you know, America, for anybody that doesn't live there, has always been this great land of, of freedom and adventure. And, and you went out there and got lost to find yourself, didn't you, in the most pure of ways? I did. My family must have thought I was insane because I t like took the band van and gutted the back of it. I'm just like, guys, uh, I put a bed back here and a couple of things. I'm going to be gone for a few months, but I'll probably be fine. <laughs> and it was like in the middle, like my divorce, just it wasn't even legally done yet. It was like they were worried about me. I have a really great family. And um, to make that decision, first of all, was just like, is he driving into the desert to like disappear or do something terrible so there was a level of worry from my family and those who loved me that um actually made me kind of go is this the right thing to do but then i just knew i'm actually glad i had that moment to then go you know what i have to do this i don't know why um but i converted the back of the band van into more like a van i was watching youtube van life videos like you wouldn't We've had a so. guy on the show, a listener who's doing it. Like he's still out there, it's incredible. Ryan, I can... um, living in his van for months on end, and, and there's, there's it's a amazing part of that which appeals to me for sure. Total freedom, dude. I, I had a moment where I was like, I could do this forever. If I had a nicer, just a little bit more room, I could totally do this. And you meet people out there when you're doing it that are also doing it, which is cool. But um, yeah, I just I got in the van with my dog Peaches, who was a corgi Yorkie mix. She's this tiny little nugget, she, my best friend. But um, yeah, I just went till I was tired. I started in Texas, went west first, went to California first. Just would go, did Route 66, slept in the desert in Arizona. Um, one of my favorite memories, I think I've told Matt this before, is, I mean, you're out there, they have BLM land in this part of America, which is the Bureau of Land Management. You don't have to pay, but you can stay there overnight for no longer than a few days at a time. They have park rangers that are checking to see. Um, it also feels like where dead bodies are probably buried. So there's a, this combination of beauty and kind of sketch. But um, I, we were getting ready to go to bed peaches and i i'm like i would just sit in the back of this van it would get dark and then i was in there when i was in the desert because i didn't want anything bad to happen i don't want to get you know whatever i don't know what there's there's stuff to kill you out there there are animals that will kill you so i was a little bit worried so we're there peaches starts growling i'm watching like seinfeld on dvd back of this van like drinking wine out of a can i found canned wine like, I'm just like, I'm a mess. But I don't, there's a certain level where I'm loving it. It's dark. There's nobody else. I'm literally in the desert. Peaches starts growling. And I'm like, oh, fuck. What? Is it a, I think it's a person. I'm like, this is it. This is how I'm going to go. I'm going to get murdered out here. Um, she eventually stops. I go to bed. 
I'll wake up the next morning and there are mountain lion tracks all the way around, like just circling. This thing was just circling my van. I had food in there and there's another animal. So, you know, and I sent, I took some pictures. I put a quarter next to the print, sent some pictures to my dad and his buddies. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's not like a bobcat or something. That's a mountain lion. Please be careful. Um, and I mean, there are countless stories like that where I'm, I'm a mess. I'm in a van in my pajamas, like peeing in a bottle, you know, all of the things that come with that. But I'm also, I'm like really going through it. I'm in my own head. Like there's no escaping, just there's no cell signal. That's the other thing out there. There's no cell signal. So you have to face whatever you're dealing with. There are no lights other than the lights of a candle or a DVD player or whatever you have in the back of that van. And um, yeah, it was the best thing I ever could have done. And I didn't know it because it forced me to deal with what I was going through in a very real way. I love it. I think that's, to me, it's just as a, a writer and somebody who loves good film, it just seems like what a great way to, to deal with it. It reminds me of uh, Neil Pert from Rush. When he lost his wife, he got on his motorcycle and just kept riding. Mm. And I kind of did the same thing when I was going through what I went through. It's just a process of like, like you said, dealing with it, but also like really finding yourself again. Yeah. You know, and I love the analogy is there's no light out there. You're You're literally sleeping through the darkness and, finding your own light, you know, and if we could all do that, you know, as human beings, regardless of, of your, what you're going through to take time to be alone, to listen to yourself, that mm. inner voice, that's powerful. And I'm mm. sure that, you know, you did find something cause you wrote a record about it and, and it's, just, it's extraordinary. So I got a question. Were you living in the UK with her when this happened? No, she was living in Texas with me. Okay. Uh, yeah. We went she through the was, whole, she was from England, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm, we we met on tour there. And um, yeah, she came to Texas to, to okay. get married. Okay. Um, so what, you don't have to get into the details, but how how did that affect you? I mean, not, not just as a musician, but as a human being, like having your life established and then it all just kind of like gets pulled out from under you. What do they yeah. do psychologically? Well, first of all, we can get into the, details anytime you want this i've i, I mean it's an open whatever book. You, yeah whatever you want to ask go ahead <laughs> but as a human being you never think you're going to get divorced this is the big lesson i've learned you get married you don't of course you don't go into marriage going well we'll give it 10 years and then we'll get divorced but till death um, do us part but probably not yeah till death do us part or till you drive me crazy and then i'm out but <laughs> um the thing I struggled with the most is feeling like a failure and a disappointment. And I somehow didn't try everything I needed to try, or I, you know, should I have done this different? Could I have done that? There's all, you really start to look back and you see these markers. I'm sure you did this, Jesse, too. You're like, Oh, if I maybe should have paid more attention there to that thing or, you know, and um, that was the big one for me is going, you're not a failure. You know, there's also the church contingent. I had people that I grew up with still going to church two or three times a week that said, 
God forgives you for your divorce. Don't worry. And I was just like, you know what? Shut up. Like, hi. God forgives you for being an idiot. And like, come on. But um, that didn't you get help. Any of that, Jesse. I, yes, I did. I, I'm laughing and nodding and smiling because I come from a religious home. My mm. father um, is a retired minister. And oh. a huge part of that was you don't get divorced. Yes. So, so for me, it was a ton of like damage control and pushing forward and doing everything I could mm. to a degree. And like you said, you look back on you like, wow, to me, I, I should have bailed a long like way earlier than I did. But I just was yeah. like, you don't that was drilled into my head. You fight Same. for your marriage. You don't get divorced. Yeah. It's God's law. God frowns upon divorce. It was all this baggage that came with it. And to be honest with you, a part of that really sort of segregated me from the church community and the a whole idea of some other human being telling me that I'm wrong for doing what I'm doing when I was clearly in the right for doing what I did to get away. But a huge lesson learned for sure. Yeah. But I get it. You, you, you try to fight for it because you, like you said, you don't think you're going to get divorced, but you know, hindsight 2020 was the best thing to ever happen to me. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Isn't that funny though? It's just like you go and it sounds like you and I went through a very similar struggle, just emotionally, what that does to you with the church contingent. But Mm -hmm. um, it's funny how you look back at it and you learn to be thankful for it in a way. And um, I definitely feel that like I made it through and now I'm appreciative, which feels really weird i have to say i'm just like oh god thank you for that because that would have been really bad had it gone on any longer and you know i would not have been good for anyone involved 100 agree um you know i i found in my relationship history that when you're a struggling creative uh, and you're really fighting and hustling every day to try and carve out a career for yourself that in my life is what's really kind of taken its toll Mm. on my personal relationships. Do you think there was an element of that in your situation where Holly was just tired of being like your cheerleader? It's like, come on, man, you've been trying for all these years. Like maybe it's never, was there any element of that? Because I do look at people who are like successful and obviously once you get fame, success, money, whatever, that doesn't eradicate all other problems. Mm. But I've just found in my personal experience, I'd love to know yours, whether you think that the hustle of being this independent, you know, mm. mid-level successful person, yeah. you know, that is a very unattractive thing after a while for a partner because they're just like, it's this guy again going on about this. Was there any of that at play? So accurate. So much of that at play because they, and no offense to my ex-wife, they think it's probably going to be a certain way. They see you, you meet on tour, whatever. The bigger the you're tour, be a the rock star, you're going to the top. Yeah. 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 And I am I'm part of a community of singer songwriter dudes that we're all doing just fine. Like everybody's successful and happy, but we're in this kind of just below the real famous people, which is fine. Like I'm thankful. That's I've kind of done that on purpose in a way, because I know where this kind of career that I'm having gets you. Like it's not going to be that thing that whatever Adele Justin Timberlake, whatever that is, like, that's not me. And I guess I was wrong in assuming that my ex-wife would know that. But there is a level of like, oh, so 
all our bills are paid and we can do some nice things and we're okay, but there's not a this or that or money to do this or money to do that. And I think that, um, not that the, it's tricky to talk about this, but not that the quality of life was bad because it was good, but it wasn't what I don't think, let me say it like that. I don't think it was what she hoped it was going to be. Um, and yes, she did get tired of the hustle. And yes, I think she thought it was going to be whatever. But I mean, we were together for like 10 years. So I feel like if she had a problem with that, she maybe should have said something year one, not <laughs> year 10. Like, no, it's, this is how it is. This is what I do. And yes, it could get bigger. And it does gradually. It's like, I'm doing just fine. But um, maybe she... There's a realization that comes with that as well, isn't there? Because you're like, man, did they ever like me? Or did they yeah. like this idea of me? Yeah. Um, and that obviously is a huge dent to your, I mean, your ego in one hand, but just, your, you know, your soul. You're like, oh, man, maybe like I'm not as lovable or, you know, awesome as I thought I was. But, you know, maybe it's not actually about you. It's about your connection with that other person. And these are all the crazy things that you go through yeah. in that situation, aren't they? Yeah, it's very true. And it's very hard because you do, you're like, hold on. Did she just like bet on me at the beginning thinking that I was going to whatever? She didn't know really that I had already been through it in the music business and had that thing, the record label and smile, smile and spend all the money and do all the thing. And then had kind of like settled on the kind of career I wanted to have. And um, I can't expect her to know that really so i don't fault her but there was definitely a level of that um and it sucks because there is a level where i felt like a disappointment it's like i'm sorry i wasn't famous enough or rich enough or whatever there is a, a small part but there is part of that that factored into that relationship ending for sure i think if anything else you know i can speak from my experience Internet, internet. You're good. Now you're, you're good. okay. That time you're good. We got so it. nervous now. Okay. <laughs> Every time you're like, yeah. now you're good. Um, so for me, it it made me change the way I look at relationships, and it made me to the point of like almost painfully oversharing with my partner now, my my girlfriend who's amazing, and like she taught me to be just brutally honest, no matter what. And that situation coming out of that divorce and like finding myself again, and then coming into a new relationship, everything's different. And it's mm. like, we've gone through so much in my relationship now than I did in almost 18 years with this partner, because I refuse to not talk about things. I refuse yeah. to numb myself or get drunk on something or pretend that it's okay. Or assume, like you said, the word assume, you assume things are going to be a certain way. You gotta just you gotta just lay it all out. As painful yep. and as annoying and as problematic as it can be, get it out, work through it, and then when you get on the other side of that, is a whole feeling of satisfaction and security and like you know happiness too. Because you don't have to worry. You're not sort of cycling of like, is this okay? Yeah. And there was a ton of that for me. Like I just it was never a stable ground to walk on because. I assumed it was okay. I don't know what the hell she was thinking, but, yeah. and I think at a certain point I just became a lifestyle for her. Mm. She loved the lifestyle and took liberties and just sort of, when I'd go on tour, she lived a completely different life. 
Mm. And I was too blind to see it or I didn't allow myself to see it. So a ton of lessons learned. Mm. And I think I'm sure you can relate to that. And it's still fresh for you. You know, I'm talking about a few years now, but, Mm. and then you're able to go out on that road trip. Right. And I love that you shared on the documentary, you shared songs that you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to be something Uh. record, but in little snippets of that, I loved seeing that longer. Loved, loved seeing it, loved seeing it, and then we lost you, dude. How about now? God, we got you. You got, we got you. It's all horrible. good, man. Don't let it throw you. This, this is yeah, what yeah. it is. We're we're having a good time. We're we're bobbing and weaving here with the internet. <laughs> um, you yeah, basically, it. I wish that documentary was longer. I really loved seeing that, and then seeing, then being able to listen to your new record that you wrote out of that. Mm. It to me, it just really spoke volumes about you sort of discovering yourself as a human being and then as a songwriter too, and, and taking that sort of sadness and darkness and flipping it into a record. Cause not all of it is sad. Like the, I think you can oh, yeah. realizations as well through that. Yeah. That the, and that was the big moment for me where I was like, it's going to, this is going to be a record. Cause look, it's um, I've come to that. It's okay that it didn't work out. It's sad. And I hope you're okay going forward. That was the big thing for me. It was like, I want her to be okay and be happy. And it's okay for us to be sad that it didn't work, but then to wish the other one well. And once, and it took that road trip for me to get to that place. But um, once that happened and there was a song on that little documentary um, where I had that moment, it's like, oh, I've gone from, my life is a wreck. How do I recover? To okay, it's a mess right now, but it's a mess that's going to get cleaned up. And I hope she's okay. And you know, we loved each other for a long time. And um, I'm not the first person in the history of the world to get divorced. It happens more than half the time. So I don't need to beat myself up any more than I did. Um, and. Yeah, I love that it turned into a record. And thank you for saying that about it, because I do think it's a hopeful record. It's a sad record, but it's a record about trying to figure out what happens during and after a divorce. And um, I was proud of myself. But that's the record I'm probably most proud of uh, just because it's that it's like going through it and then coming out. okay. it's like we're okay. Like everybody, we're okay. Which record is this one, Ryan? Everywhere but nowhere to go. Uh, it's nowhere to go but everywhere. Matt, it's funny that you ask. It's this record right here. There you go. I actually text that one to Jesse Eller. I said, this is my favorite of all Ryan's records. <laughs> and there's a song on there called Can I Get an Amen, which reminds me oh. of Primal Scream. It's got that euphoric kind of, and, you know, that's another element at play in your songwriting is there's the kind of Americana, country, mm-hmm. and then 90s indie alternative. But there's also British rock, which you love. Jesse mentioned Oasis earlier. You love Oasis. In another one of your tunes, you say the drugs don't work like Ashcroft said, obviously yeah. talking about the verb. <laughs> and I love that about you. And obviously, you know, having like an English wife and having the community of followers that you have in the UK, um, it's a real kind of close connection and, and, and relationship that you share with, with the United Kingdom, isn't it? As much it as is. you're a Texan boy, like you're a kind of honorary Brit as well. Yeah, I do feel like an honorary Brit. And the way Smile Smile all went down, I was thrilled to go to England and start over. It's like nobody knows about any of that. So let me try here. And I had a little bit of a leg up 
just with, you know, um, friends and connections in the music business there in the UK. But, um, but yeah, British feels like the country that saved my career uh, because I was just like, I'm trying this one more fucking time and then I'm going to go be a mailman. Because you would have tried I, another time, though. You know you would have. You're like me, and that's why I love you. You'd have, you'd have come up with another obstacle, and you'd have gone, I'm still going ahead. I'm still plowing forward. That's uh, you're you probably are, right, Matt. You're probably right. But it felt, to me at the time, it was like, one more. I'll try it one more time. And um, I'm thankful that the UK went the way that it did and continues to, because it does feel like a second home, and I'm very thankful for it. And um, It was funny for a while, because my parents were doing the thing like, Oh, you're big in England. Sure. I was like, no, like, like, come on tour. Like, and I took them on tour in the UK. Uh, they got to see. Yeah. They got to see you play the St. Pancras church, which is where I met them. That was a fun show. That was an amazing uh, night. That became infamous because we recorded a live record there. And, um, I wanted to break the ice cause it was in such a sacred setting. Uh, I don't know how Jesse's going to feel about this because we come from similar backgrounds. But he'll be um, fine. He'll be fine. I walked out into St. Pac- Pancras Old Church, sold out show, literally standing on a grave because there's burial grounds in this old church, stained glass windows, Jesus statues. First thing I said when that show started is, Can you say fuck in a church? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i'm sure the the place, oh man they went nuts and that just set the tone for the rest of the night and it was just one of those nights where it was a magic show people still talk about that show and um <laughs> people quote people quote that to me all the time if i because i do have other songs can i get an amen and whatever it's part of my life and people will you know retweet a song like that with the hashtag or put it in quotes can you say fuck in a church and um yeah it was a good night well, that was when we had the chat in the van was right before that show, wasn't it? It's true. And you know what? That chat was, it was like, it was worth the shit storm of afterwards. But, um, you know, I have to say, um, even though I told you probably the nice version of it all, um, I wanted to be respectful on a certain level and I knew that I was going to get shit for it. But um, I'm, I'm proud of that conversation and the way we talked about it all, but nobody said anything. I guess I should say I didn't say anything, you know, shitty. Yeah, I think you guys navigated that really well. I think it's a great talk. And again, for anyone who's listening, go back, um, listen to Life in the Stocks, the episode with these two. I think it's a great, great episode. And I love you did handle that very well. (laughs) It was tricky, but thank you. As we approach the end, I'd like to talk to you about community, Ryan. Um, You know, I think it's an important aspect of your personal life um you know with the musicians you've kind of collaborated with particularly in recent times uh we just had ginger on the show ginger wildheart you did a great tune with him um fuck you brain talking about mental health you're obviously now on wicked cool records with stevie van zant um your label mate is jesse malin who's a mutual friend of mine and jesse's definitely somebody we're going to get on this show and another dude that you're pals with there's a funny connection here is drew carey now Jesse's bandmate Adam D was on The Price Is Right, and he won. <laughs> and it is one of the funniest things. Like the clips on YouTube, it's it's you know, like I guess borderline viral if you're in the metal community. It's been you know viewed and enjoyed by many. 
Um, what's your connection with Drew Carey, the American legend? Yeah, so it's through Stevie Van Zant, through Little Steven. Um, Drew has a radio show here every Friday night called Drew Carey's Friday Night Freakout. Um, and Drew was aware of me and my music a little bit. Um, but once I signed to Wicked Cool and Stevie kind of took me under his wing and I became part of that little Steven E Street band, Bruce Springsteen umbrella, like community. Drew's also a big Springsteen fan. So um, it was just kind of that thing. I think I don't want to speak for him, uh, but where he went, oh, I know this guy. Let me find out a little more. Um, and we just started kind of texting and talking on Twitter and, and whatever. But um, it's rare whenever those relationships like that turn into real friendships because there's a lot of entertainment friendships where you just kind of are, you just like the person, but you never really hang out outside of whatever it is you're doing together. And Drew went out of his way just to be like, come hang out. Do you want to come be on The Price is Right? You can be in the audience and then we'll go hang out. And then, you know, we've been to like music festivals together. It's just been really I don't know. I love it because he's Drew Carey, but he's also like my buddy now. So um, he has actually, to his credit, the one that was like, you know, he acted, this is going to sound so weird, but normal. There's no celebrity there with Drew. There's no like, he's totally down to earth. And um, he was just like, let's hang out. Like it was no big deal to him. And he wanted to talk about music. And um, it's just been totally random but we just really like hanging out with each other we have a lot in common um as far as the kinds of people that we are and we just you know like to hang out there's no ego and um the dude is the best i have to say he's just one of the best people i know that's awesome yeah and he knows his music too for sure he does he's a huge music nerd like he's taught me some things and um i'm a music nerd too but drew even like showed me some shit that I was like, what is this? I love that. Send you guys him have the that. clip of Adam D on Price is Right. <laughs> send it to me, man. I'd love to see it. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fun to be on that show and just be in the crowd. He was like, hey, I can't really have you come up and play because that's against the rules. You know, hey, my friend's coming on the show. We're going to win him some money. Like that's totally not... changed the format of the whole like, long-standing <laughs> show. Just for his buddy. But it was fun just to be in the crowd and, you know, yell and do all the things. And, uh, yeah, he's he's a great, great guy. And I, I really do want to see that clip. I'd love to see it. Yeah, Adam, so on tour, whether it's in the tour bus or in a hotel room, because I usually room up with him. We do two guys to a hotel room to save money, um, which is better than one room for everybody, which I usually <laughs> But um, the Price is Right is on every single day. It's part of his. Uh, he is obsessed with that show. And he, <laughs> you ask him to this day, the highlight of his career as a musician. <laughs> He's like going on the Price is Right. Oh, man. You'll see I, in the clip, he loses his fucking mind on that yeah. show. He wins the oh, whole man. thing. He wins the entire thing. <laughs> maybe I have seen this. I feel like maybe I have seen He's this. like, oh! He's yelling uh, <laughs> and jumping up and down. And Drew has no idea who he is, you know. And at, the yeah. it, at the end of it, I guess he had mentioned, Oh, are you a musician? I didn't know. Um, Ryan, um, is Jesse coming back? Have we got him? He's coming back. He froze just there at the end. 
There you go. Hey. Do you got to get on that onto that service provider, Jesse? I'm gonna be angrily <laughs> tweeting Someone's and gonna lose their job over this. <laughs> um, ridiculous. So the community which you're building around you as well, Ryan, is, is really something I'd like to to hear your thoughts on. Um, in a similar sense to really what we're trying to do with this podcast, like we're aware that this is never going to be a Joe Rogan level show, um, but it's really about the quality and the core of the people who do tune in each week and like mm. the support that we get um, from our amazing listeners. Uh, and I know that w with you, like especially in the UK, but I'm presuming to you know a fairly large extent in America as well, but you just seem to have amazing fans that have your back and like if you say hey guys like i've got a single drop in today it would really help me if this was like in the charts um you know like all of that businessy stuff which now dictates the industry um i guess always has but it's even more vital now you'll mm -hmm. say online like and you'll humble yourself as well you'll be like guys if you could pre-order or pre-save or download or buy this tune today it would be a huge help and they show up for you don't they they come out and they they, they show you love they do they're amazing i i Everybody looks now, you're, it's such bullshit, but you have to play the game. They look at your Spotify numbers or your social media following. And uh, I learned that it's actually better. I mean, some of my friends have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers or whatever, right? But I've learned that it's better to have six, 7,000 where everyone will show up for you, you know, the Facebook page is on, I say only, but compared to some people, it's like 30,000. It's not a million. It's like this really um, kind of a quality over quantity sort of a thing that I've learned I prefer because I want to be able to respond to everybody that I can. And I try to. It's like I sometimes I'll spend if there's a big release or something is happening and I just know, okay. It's going to get announced. There's probably going to be more traffic. I'm going to take the hour or two hours or whatever it is, and I'm going to respond to everybody. I'm going to sit down on my computer. I'm going to respond to every comment and every tweet. And um, again, that comes from Amanda Palmer and just learning that from her. But um, that has created that community, taking the time to make people feel seen. And they're always like, you remember my name? It's like, where did the music industry get lost, so lost that people pretend like, have we met before? It's like, <laughs> you're such a douche. Like, you know, you've met this person before. Okay, maybe you don't remember their name, but just like, why do some artists do that thing where they have that like mental block where they go, let me pretend like I'm such a big deal that I don't remember somebody who I've met several times. And I've never wanted to be that way. And I hate it when I see my fellow artists doing that sort of thing. And I have, and will continue go up and go, I know, you know, this person, you've met them several times, whatever this is like, and it'll oh, let every, everybody will laugh. Everybody will laugh. It's like, okay, okay, okay. But, um, that creates that community. I think Ginger's similar. Um, some of my artist buddies are similar, but they're not all like that. Some of them don't, they like their space and their privacy and I respect that too. But for me, it's important to have that community and it feel like a family. And um, when you feel that with somebody, you want to show up for them. You feel like, you know, yeah, like I want to do this because I want them to be successful because they show up for me. So I'm going to continue to show up for these people. They're going to show up for me. I'm incredibly thankful for it. And 
I mean, it's resulted in the last two records charting in England and like, uh, which is wild to me that nowhere to go, but everywhere charted in between Taylor Swift and Neil Young. And it was like, and it's that community that people go look at my social media and they go, what? Like this guy? But all those people there, they show up. I love it. I love everything you just said. It's beautiful. I want to be more like you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys have been crazy successful. So it's probably more difficult, you know, to say hi to everybody or respond to everybody. Um, So I feel like you'd be, it would just be more difficult. So there is a level and I love that. I love that you guys have had that, but um, yeah, I can see how it would be hard. Sometimes it gets Oh, rewind, Jesse. Sometimes it gets really intense. Sometimes it gets intense mm. with, with people reaching out to me and I, I just don't have the energy or wherewithal or men, even my mental health will just suffer if I continue to respond. Yeah. Yeah. There's a level of that too. I've had to, only one person ever has had to be removed from a, like an after show thing because when uh, you do have that. And you That was me. Yeah, it was Matt. <laughs> it was Matt, Birmingham. Too much to drink in the back. Too many cheese sandwiches. Not now, though. Not yeah, now, though. not you, now. You showed me the best. If anybody was following my social media over the time I was in Texas, uh, you may have seen I picked up a, a Davy Crockett-style raccoon skin hat and also a cowboy hat. Ryan helped me source both of those hats because that was his town, Fort Worth. He showed me the best time. And I reckon, dude, when we, we've said this to a few guests now, but every time we say it, we mean it because we don't say it to everyone. But when we do do, as we hope to do some kind of campfire style, live Stoke the Fire event, especially if it's in the UK, if we can time it maybe around a tour and a time you're over here or maybe a time you're making a record over here, we would love to come and have you play some campfire songs, man. Because oh, man. Your Sign music, as Jesse said, is so in keeping and in kind of line with with where we're at of you know approaching raw and sensitive and delicate sometimes sad stuff but trying to do it in a way that's empowering and positive and uplifting um part of the family dude and you continue to inspire me and it's been really cool Uh, connecting you two today and i knew you'd have so much in common and common ground and it's clear that you do so hopefully we can we can bring this trifecta to a real life event near near you watching or listening to this some sometime soon I love it. You guys have been awesome. Jesse, it's, uh, it's always nice to kind of bond with somebody over the way you grew up uh, with the church thing. Like a lot of people don't understand that. So to find somebody else that not only has been through that, but through a divorce and is in the music business. Uh, yeah, that feels nice. So this has been really cool for me. There's a certain sense of comfort because we don't know each other. You know what I mean? But that brought a level of comfort here. Matt and I go way back now. We've been through some shit together but um this has been really great yeah total pleasure honor sorry about the internet issues but uh yeah i can relate to a lot of what you've been through and the whole church thing like we could do a whole episode on just (laughs) the scars i have but uh you know i've I've taken some positive stuff from it too as well but this has definitely been a pleasure my friend and it's been awesome to sort of get to know you prior to this through your music and Mm. the internet and just to bring it all home with this. 
Thanks, so dude. Ryan, can we tease your epic news, or is that still a long way off? Oh no, I can't. You can. You should leave this in here, though, just so yeah. people no, be we like, leave everything, and we don't. We don't edit at all. But yeah, <laughs> but dot, dot, no. dot. But there is some epic news. So go follow the Ryan Hamilton. Uh, is that your handle on everything? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or have you got different ones for different platforms? No, I think it's all at the Ryan Hamilton. There's a comedian named Ryan Hamilton too, and we had a funny thing for a little while. And I was like, I'm going to be the. So <laughs> I don't even need a blue tick. I'm just sticking that in front of it, and that's yeah. What's up. Do whatever we'll you want in the uh, yeah. the episode yeah. description. Yeah, um, you're on tour with Jerry Seinfeld. Fantastic. I will be the. <laughs> that's great. Dude, love you, man. Absolute pleasure. And, um, love you too, Matt. Continue to be you and do what you do, as I know you will. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see you soon, dude. Thank you for today. It's been awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 